welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. I am so excited to chat with my guest today, Brian Forrester, because we are going to talk about creating scroll-stopping titles for your podcast. Your title is the first impression your episode makes on potential listeners. And there's a mix of marketing art and science that goes into coming up with great titles. So I'm thrilled that Brian is here to help us with this topic. Brian Forrester is a co-founder of Genie Jar Marketing. He grew up in advertising and his family has owned a marketing business for nearly 60 years. Over the last two decades, he has served as creative director for both retail and nonprofit organizations. His copywriting has received national awards, including the Telly and the Webby. Welcome, Brian. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for reading all of that. That makes me sound so much better than I really am. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So this really is a pleasure to have you here. Writing marketing copy is so different from writing fiction, nonfiction, or science papers, which was my background in college and my first master's degree. And you've won awards for your copywriting. So can you tell us a little about how writing for marketing is so different from other types of writing? And that's a really interesting question, because while there are some differences, what I prefer to focus on are the similarities, because that's where the good stuff is found. And what I mean by that, I, I like to reverse engineer. I love how you just said that marketing is art and science, because that's really what it is. I always think of marketing as like my 11th grade chemistry teacher, hair all crazy and a little eccentric. And then I had an art teacher the next period after that, who is this very creative force. And it was like two opposites, but the learning was amazing in each one of those classes. Marketing really is molding those two together in in a crazy way. And when it comes to actually writing copy, I'm a a geek when it comes to story structure. It sounds like from what I've heard from you that you have studied structure as well. And what I really love is the three-act structure. And I think that's where a a real treasure can be found, no matter what type of writing that you're doing. I know we tend to think of a three-act structure for script writing, maybe for novels as well in some regards. But when you start thinking about it in terms of copy, it can really make for a powerful narrative. Mm -hmm. And most people would know that that first act deals with life before, like the status quo, the problem, the issues. The second act is always started by a catalyst. Something has to happen. And then you get into the main part of the fun of the story. And then that third act is the transformation that takes place out of coming through that second act. So when you approach marketing, if you start to think in terms of those three acts, then you can begin to build, whether it be a 15-second radio spot or a 30-second TV commercial or a long-based website homepage, you can start thinking, okay, what's my first act? This is what somebody's life looks like before they use this product or this service. The second act, the catalyst, is they figure out what this product or service is and they start using it. And the third act is how their life is transformed. Mm -hmm. So we have found over the years 
that by using that simple framework, it brings to life so many more stories that you can tell, not just testimonials, but brand stories as well. Now, granted, sometimes you can't take time to dive into point of view or voice as much as you would into a fiction or into some other type of creative venture, but there's still a lot more than people think than you can do when you start using that narrative structure. Absolutely. I hope that makes sense. Yes, totally. Yeah. And I think that most people don't consider marketing copy as a story. I mean, we are being told now, finally, that we need to tell stories in our marketing. And people do hear about identifying or illustrating that transformation that their service, their product, their course, you know, whatever it is, that transformation that they're helping their clients achieve. But I love how you just laid it out into those three acts, because that really is a story structure like you would read in fiction, absolutely, or see in a movie, you know? Like I just recently saw, and I can't remember all the details of it, but there's a commercial that just came on a couple of nights ago for a, a beer commercial. And I just thought they did a brilliant job. It was only 20, 25 seconds long. But the brilliance was the first, second, and third acts. And unless you're looking for it, you don't notice it. It's just been hardwired into our brain story structures from a young age. But when you start to go look behind the curtain, you start to see how the mechanisms work. And you think, okay, maybe I don't have to be a creative genius to put this together as long as I follow a time-tested pattern that people relate to. And it often has the thread of what problem am I trying to solve? That's every great story. Every great marketing piece, every great commercial is what story, what challenge is trying to be overcome. Absolutely. And people don't buy based on facts Mm -hmm. on the whole, even with, let's say, hiring a financial advisor. You know, if the financial advisor is laying out, well, our products have performed like this over the years and compared to, you know, the the what S&P and NASDAQ and all of that, you know, we've performed better and blah, blah, blah. So all that is necessary to tell potential clients, but ultimately it still comes down to feeling when people yeah. are hiring someone or you know buying a service or or whatever and products even you know it, it's feeling and so like you said it it requires that story to get that feeling across you know laying out these facts and figures while still necessary we don't feel emotion based on facts and figures no we don't it, it's so true and this is where we see so many small business owners make the mistake and they're making it sincerely. They, they really believe in their product. And I'm sure it's a great product or service. But when you begin to lead with things like, hey, we've got great customer service, or we have three factories, or we're members of the Chamber of Commerce, or blah, blah. People, even though your mom loves that and, and your spouse, other people really don't care about that, as important as it seems to you, because it's white noise. Mm-hmm. And everyone says those types of things. If your marketing is saying that you have great customer service, you're wasting your time because people expect that they're going to experience great customer service. So don't say the same things that the guy down the street is saying. 
because you just become a sea of vanilla ice cream. So what can you say to stick out? And that's where, and I love how you brought that up. If you can begin to tell a story, and that often begins by having empathy with the target audience that you're going for. Like, What are their problems? What are they feeling? What are their struggles? What are their wants? And if you can begin to understand what that is, you start speaking their language, using the turn of phrases that they're thinking about. And when you do it well, Kelly, it's like a magic trick. They really think that you're reading their minds. Mm -hmm. And it becomes powerful because you're connecting with them and saying, hey, I understand what it's like to struggle with X, Y, Z. And this is why, then you can go into second act and third act. That has proven time and time again to be the most powerful way to communicate. People don't remember bullet points. They don't remember benefits, so to speak, but they do remember the stories that you tell and the way that you interact with them on a personal level. Absolutely. And we are going to be talking about titles here in just a second, but what you were just saying, Ben, I teach my clients and students to do all of this when creating their podcast as well, you know, pick an ideal listener. And, you know, when they're creating a podcast to support their business, their ideal listener needs to overlap at a minimum with their ideal client, if not be the same person. And to make their show stand out, same thing. They need to put story in there. And like you said, speak their listener's language. Otherwise, when they're doing their podcast, then the listener won't feel like they're relating to the the host, you know, or vice versa, and they just won't listen. So you really do need to, in your podcast, use your listener's language. And it, it can be tough to figure that out, but if you really know your listener, then you'll know what they're saying and you'll be able to use their language. And if you go look in terms of forums or comments they might be making on your podcast or in blog articles, that's where you get the real goal. You can see their own words right there on the screen. And we have been known many times to go through these comments and forums and we pull out phrases and sentences. We're like, wow, that is said so well. We would never have thought that, but that's the inner workings of the brain of this avatar that we're trying to put in our heads. Whenever you do a podcast episode or a blog article or whatever you're trying to create, If you can stop thinking of, I'm trying to broadcast this to the world and instead have that one person in mind, like you're speaking to them one-on-one, that's when you begin to see a dramatic transformation in the oomph of your content. Yeah. Give your ideal listener a name Yeah, and speak to that one person in every single episode. Like you said, don't think of the audience. Think of that one person. And when you're recording the episode, speak to them. So like even with interviews, I'm imagining that there's one person sitting here listening. And, you know, is it worth it to be doing a podcast for one person? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I want more people to listen, but I'm speaking to that one listener. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that's one of the things that just uh, there's many we could choose, but Oprah, you know, what, however someone feels about her, you have to agree that she had a way of connecting through a screen mm-hmm. that made you feel like she was talking directly to you. 
Yes. There was this very powerful gift that she has. Mm-hmm. And that's how she built a platform, built an empire yes. through this ability to seem like she's just talking to her girlfriend in the middle of the kitchen while she's making dinner. That's how that feeling was. And trying to discover that for whatever we try to create is really a, a grand noble effort that we have to mm-hmm. be after. Yeah. And I love what you just said there, that she it it felt like she was just talking with a girlfriend in her kitchen. It didn't feel like she was sitting on this stage with a massive platform of, you know, however many millions of viewers. If it felt like that, it we probably wouldn't watch because right. we would just feel like a number. But to feel like, yeah, you're in your kid, you're in her kitchen with her. That's the magic. So on your podcast, you want your listener to feel like they're there with you, chatting with or, you know, they can't chat with you. So listening to you. Yeah, that's right. People aren't really attracted to polish as much as we think. They just want personal. Tell me about you. Tell me some stories. What did you go through last night? What what happened this morning? What are some Mm -hmm. struggles? You know, when you began to lead with some weakness, that opens up people to say, oh, I can relate to that. Because truth be known, once we, you know, take off the video cameras and once we get off the phone and away from people, we all have issues that we're battling, struggling with, or we know someone who is. Yes. And to be honest and vulnerable that way automatically opens up people to want to hear more of your story. Yeah. I always learn better from people who share their their vulnerabilities rather than people who share only their successes. I just I can't really learn from them because if yeah. it seems like it comes too easily or came too easily for them, then how can they teach me how to do something that was easy for them? People who struggle yeah. actually figured out ways to do something that was hard for them. And so I feel like, or I've experienced that they then can teach more effectively something that is difficult for other people. So I really prefer learning from people who are open and honest enough to share, this was really hard for me, and here's how I got through it. I had a college professor one time who said something to me that I've never forgotten. I didn't quite understand it at the time. The older I have gotten, I see it. He Mm -hmm. said, Brian, never trust someone who doesn't have a limp. It sounds wow. so weird. Doesn't mm-hmm. tr- Don't trust someone who doesn't have a limp. If someone is always perfect, if mm-hmm. they never seem to have any dents or chinks in their armor, mm-hmm. something is up because yeah. we all have issues. And the quicker that you're open with those, the more people can learn from you, yeah. as you just said. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, so let's talk titles. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. I, I you know, it. I love talking about marketing in general. So, okay, so you listen to podcasts. Yes. How important are episode titles to you? Oh my goodness! I mean, we all know how critical they are. Okay, whether it's a a blog article, whether it's a podcast episode, whether it's a website headline, whether it's an email subject line. Let's face it, you can create the best content in the world. It can blow people's minds and transform entire generations. But if you don't have a way for people to want to read it, if they are not drawn into it, then no one's going to see it or hear it. 
So your content is wasted. And it's a scary thought, Kelly, to know that you've put all these hours and effort into this batch of content, but really the the hinge on the door to that content is a one-liner usually. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen, and I've been guilty of it too, I don't put enough time into that one-liner as I should, mm. knowing that that is the critical piece to getting people into the good stuff. Mm -hmm. So if we can discipline ourselves to think, okay, how can I put so much effort and time, whether it's using frameworks, whether I'm bouncing it off other people, whether I'm doing A and B testing, whatever it takes to make sure that this headline has some real power to it. If not, I've just missed so many opportunities. And I could miss out on touching somebody's life who really needs this because I didn't spend enough time thinking through that one-liner. That is a great way to look at it, that you can miss out on touching someone's life. Yeah. Because we tend to think in terms of, oh, you know, so my podcast isn't ranking as high as it could. I'm not getting as many visitors to my website, you know, all of that. So I'm missing out on clients and all of that is very true, but we need to have that altruistic goal in our podcast and in everything that we do of helping people. And yes. you're so right that if we don't have a good title headline, you know, whatever it is, then we are missing out on helping people because then they can't find or won't listen to or read the the content that we're putting out there. And, and maybe you do what I do, Kelly, when I look at my podcast app and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to listen to today when I go to walk my dog? And I'll just scan the titles and I'll go delete, yes. delete, delete, delete. Oh, that sounds good. I'll save that one. Delete, delete, delete. And I'll make a decision within microseconds mm -hmm. based upon how that grabs me or not. Yeah, That does put pressure on us as content creators, yes. but it's a good pressure. Yeah. And it's a good thing that makes us think these things through. Yeah, because so when people subscribe, or we don't call it that anymore because subscribe sounds like you have to pay for it. So when people follow our podcasts, they can turn it on to automatically download every new episode, but that doesn't mean they're going to automatically no. listen. No. So like you said, you can open up your podcast app and see all the new episodes that you follow, you know, from the podcast you follow and decide, okay, I want to listen to this one. I don't want to listen to that one. Even though it's a show you follow, it doesn't mean you are going to go listen to all so of them, true. especially depending on how many podcasts you follow. The average right. podcast listener follows seven podcasts and the average podcast listener listens to seven hours of podcasts a week. Hmm. So depending on the length of your show, yours may have a good chance of being listened to. So that's a reason to go for shorter than for hour long episodes. People are preferring like 20 to 40 minutes at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so 20 is a good number. My interviews mm -hmm. go longer. <laughs> right. But, so you want to be listened to. So those titles are super important. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to read a title and go, well, let me click on the description to see what it's about. Sometimes right. I will, you know, mm -hmm. if the title is intriguing enough. But so what does make a good title? 
And there's so much to that question because really that's the engine that drives marketing. That's the engine that drives everything creative. And we can talk about a couple of things to lead up maybe to some real practical tidbits. And that is, okay, I remember, I'm showing my age right now, back when MTV first hit it big in the early 80s. I was a teenager. I was there when it first came on. Yeah, me too. Yes. So- uh, my dad was uh, against me watching MTV. He had heard stuff about it, rebellion and, uh, you know, scantily clad and all this. And of course, the rule was not to watch MTV. But as a teenager, what did that make me do? When dad wasn't home, I'm turning to channel 27. That was the cable channel. I can still remember it. And I'd watch MTV. And I remember one day, Kelly, uh, this, I don't know, this has stuck with me for all these years. They used to have the MTV VJs, not the DJs, but the VJs. And one of the guys said, hey, okay, uh, thanks for watching today. When we come back from this commercial, I'm going to give you the 100% cure for acne after the commercial. Mm -hmm. So here I am. I'm 13, 14 years old. I got pimples. I'm thinking, I got to hear this. Mm -hmm. 100% cure? So I waited through all those commercials, which seemed to take three hours. Finally, it comes back on again. He says, okay, welcome back. I promised you, here's the cure for acne. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. And then he said, the cure for acne is to grow older. And I remember staring at the TV screen, wanting to throw my shoe at it, Mm -hmm. going, "Ah, you got me. Yep. You teased me. You made me want to stick around. I stuck around. But man, that was... Clickbait before there was clickbait. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't you didn't bring it like I wanted you to. Mm-hmm. But he succeeded in his goal of keeping me as a viewer. Yeah. So there's a couple of lessons from that mm-hmm. that shows you number one, the absolute power of a great teaser, of yeah. a, a one-liner, of a subject line that can grab the attention of your target market. Mm-hmm. But it also is a warning that makes sure you actually deliver what you promise in that title. You will because lose I'm afraid listeners some, oh if you do gosh, that. I see it happen. People want to have an explosive title. And then the, the episode itself is nothing. And you do that once, you might get away with it. You're not going to get away with it twice. People no. will start to flee and say, this is not what I'm looking for. So it's a lie. Yeah. So we always have to make sure there's that marriage between the content and some great title. And this is where we get into the wonderful, amazing discipline, science, and art of coming up with that one-liner, of that title. And I often go back to movies, and maybe they still do this. I don't see them quite as much anymore, but the big movie posters. And I've always been amazed at the, the copywriters who have to take two hours of a movie and write it in a phrase on that poster. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you do that? All these characters, set pieces, special effects, villains, and you got to do a one-liner, just like but books. But, but it's not unlike coming up with a, a motto or logo for a whole business. That's the same thing. Graphic yeah. designers will tell you that logos are the same way. Yeah. The problem they cause for graphic designers are the one-liners for the copywriters. Right. Same right. puzzle. So, yeah. you know, you think of some of the great ones like, who are you going to call? What movie is that? Uh, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have, that's such no. a perfect one-liner. Or, yes. Um, 
this movie was on my my uh, son was watching the other day. Uh, we we scare because we care. Remember that is a cartoon from Pixar. We oh. scare because oh, we is care. It Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. There Look at that. Of all the movies. And what that. about um, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water? Oh, that's Jaws. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, our uh, superhero movie with great power comes great responsibility. That's Spider Man. Oh, wow. Boom. I mean, those are, to me, mm-hmm. great examples yep. of taking massive content and putting it into a summary statement. It's yep. one of the most difficult things to do. It's oh, easier. I have to throw out one more. Please. There can be only one Highlander. Oh, okay. I love That's that great. movie. And I use that phrase uh, for various things, even when there can't be only one. It, it just, yeah, I use it ironically. Sometimes. And what okay, is I'm Game sorry, of Thrones? Bro. Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we there's a million great on. examples, <laughs> and there's probably a billion bad examples. Yes. But that's how we draw inspiration as creators. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. It is much, much easier to create long-form content than it is to create this one-liner. So everybody who struggles with it, you've got a big family of support here that we all say, I want to bang my head against the wall sometimes with this. And I would say what I've learned, it's the the best idea is usually not your first idea or your second or your third or your fourth. You have to learn this technique of continuing to dig Mm. and work past the obvious, work past the cliches, work past what everybody else thinks first. And then as you dig deeper into the soil, that's when you'll find the oil. That's where you'll find the treasure. But it does take some digging. And that's where it takes time. And because we're under timelines and urgency, we sometimes pass over this to our own problem with doing that. So, uh, you know, we have to make sure we get that in the right context as well. And I would say, too, you know, I want to make sure whatever I'm using as that one line or that title Here's another great paradigm to think through, Kelly. It's asking yourself, can a fifth grader understand this? Mm. Am I I speaking in such a way that's clear that I don't have to give more explanation to explain what I'm trying to explain? And this is where the principle of make sure that you value being clear over being clever. Yeah. Now, there's those beautiful moments when clear and clever come together, and those tend to be few and far between. They do happen. That's when the glitter falls from the heavens and the muse (laughs) is on our shoulder and the orchestra music is in the background. We we love those moments. But first of all, always think, I got to be clear. Mm -hmm. I, I can't just let creativity overshadow what I'm trying to get people to do. And I want them to listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. So how can I be super clear about it? And that's why the first few words that you use, and let's face it, we only have a few words. Don't waste it with empty stuff, Mm -hmm. with lost words. I would even say, now you can correct me, you're much more the expert on podcast logistics. But I think sometimes, depending on the podcast, there are exceptions. There can be wasted space when your first few characters are episode 207. Oh, you should never, never, never do that. Never. You just wasted. Exactly. 
First of all, Apple does not like you. Apple Podcasts does not like you to put the episode number in the title at all. It shows up automatically. Other platforms are okay with it. So most podcast hosting providers today let you put in an Apple title and another title, but Mm -hmm. don't, like you just said, do not waste the space by writing out episode. Don't even put EP, don't put a number and whatever. It is, like you said, a total waste of space. Just put the episode title. Yes. And so then you begin to think, okay, my target market, as we were talking earlier, what are the keywords that make their brain light up? What makes their frontal lobe do a breakdance? And that's where we have to figure out those words. And if we know that you're trying to reach podcast creators, listeners, okay, then somewhere regularly, I need to mention that word podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Episode might be powerful. Titles might, I don't know, but you need to begin to think in that galaxy Mm -hmm. and sprinkle in those words Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to separate you from the other podcasts that you're trying to get you know, people to listen to. So, so that's a real key as well. Mm-hmm. Using the right words for the right people, keep it short. Mm-hmm. Have you found a certain amount of characters that works best in terms of number, uh, no. a range perhaps? No, um, you definitely don't want too long though. I mean, most titles are going to spill over into that scroll, you know, like in, in Apple Podcasts in the player, it will end up scrolling anyway. But you definitely want the main keywords or your your listeners' keywords to mm-hmm. show up at the beginning. So, like you yes. said, that don't waste the the prime real estate at the beginning. Absolutely, yep. yeah, with unnecessary words. So uh, let's let's say we're trying to name an episode. If I'm coming to this as a marketer, I'm firing through some thoughts in my head to get the, the wheels turning. And I don't know if now is the perfect time to talk about this or not, if you had a, another direction. You oh, no, go. go for it. No. Okay. So the first thing, I'm going to begin to brainstorm. And I'm thinking, okay, as I think back over the content of this episode, what was the most interesting part? Mm-hmm. What's that part that you just know, boom, okay, this is when it was happening. Okay, then I might want to consider taking that interesting part and using that in my title. Whatever mm-hmm. that part was, whatever content we discussed, that could be a front runner for the content title. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's so much more to talk about. But that was the good. That was the peanut butter in the sandwich right there. That was the the cream and the oatmeal cream pie. That was the good yep. stuff. Let's put that in the subject line. So that's I would start thinking that way. Okay. But then, and you know this because you've done it for a while. There are other little tried and true tricks. And the first thing I would start with is my personal favorite secret weapon of one-liners. Mm-hmm. Now they don't work all the time but it will at least get me out of the quicksand when I need to get my brain rolling. And that is a four-letter word, not not a dirty word, but it's the word this, mm-hmm. T-H-I-S. Okay. And if you stop and become a student of email subject lines, blog articles, podcast titles, website headlines, you'll often see that little word mm-hmm. sneak in quite a bit. Yeah. Because that word, this, 
denotes some mystery. Mm-hmm. It denotes you've got to check this out. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen an email that drops in your inbox and it says, have you seen this picture? Right. I'm just making that up. Yeah. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Now, we talked earlier how we're all built for stories. That opens up what we call a story loop. Mm. And now your brain, the primal part of your brain says, I got to know the end of that story. I got to see this. Yeah. What, what picture? <laughs> what's on that picture? Or, yep. And that's just one example out of many. So when coming up with content, I try to figure out, okay, can I use that word in there? So for instance, and I wrote something now, like for a podcast, I would say, perhaps the title would be this one trick. Mm will help grow your podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is that perfect? No, that's just kind of a brainstorm. But yeah. now I guarantee you, somebody is going to be like, what, what trick is this? I got to click on this. I got to hear yeah. this. There's power in that, yeah. in that, using that word called this. The second one would be the power of how-tos. Mm-hmm. We all know that that's a powerful little uh, tool in the toolbox, how yeah. to do something. Mm-hmm. People just want something fast and clean. I'm riding to the grocery store. I don't need some three-hour sermon. Can you just give me the, the down and dirty so I can apply this to my life? Yeah. How to grow the best podcast episode, how to name great podcast episodes. Yep. Is it fancy? Nope. Not trying to be. But is you know clear? exactly what the episode is about. And a fifth grader could understand it. Exactly. So, you know, we need to look at that. And then I would think maybe the third top three ideas would be to use numbers. Yeah, yeah, you Which, just said it. <laughs> the top, yep. yes. yeah. Yeah. You know, the top three ways to name your podcast episodes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. you know, that, I have another yeah. title in mind, mm-hmm. which I'll bounce off of you at the okay. end. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's better than mine. No, you actually had suggested it in an email oh, okay. that we. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. But I don't want to say it here. But, well, I guess I could, and then I could beta test. I have a client who beta is kind of beta tested some of her titles. Like she put out a few episodes with certain titles. She wasn't like how they were performing. So she changed the titles after she had published and yeah. they did better. Interesting. Yeah. There's wow. something to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you I can think- always change your titles. You don't think that there's some precious little jewels that you can never change. Exactly. If it can help reach people better, change them. Who cares? Yep. You're not. We're not trying to win Nobel prizes here. We're just trying to make sure that we are giving this great content to people who need it and who want yep. it. Yeah, exactly. So those would be at least my initial brainstorming mm-hmm. efforts. And normally, when I go through that series of thought, that's when I'm starting to see some ideas. And I still am old school thinking, okay, grab a pen, grab a piece of white paper and just start scribbling. And if I can, this is again, one of my dumb rules. Mm -hmm. This is personality based, wouldn't work for everybody, I'm sure. But often I'll try to force myself to write at least 10 titles down longhand. Mm -hmm. And usually one of them will stick out and I'm like, okay, that's the one that's different enough. That's clear Mm -hmm. enough that really gets the DNA of this content that I might need to fiddle with some more. And I'll pull that one out and begin to dance with that. Yeah. But it does take time to 
to write it out, to get a little structured with it. For sure. Yeah. So also I like, okay, two things. It's easier to write, it's not easy, but it's easier or less difficult to write titles when your episode is focused on one topic. So for this one, we started out talking about some marketing in general, but that's not what the episode is about. So the title of this episode is about titles. It's about how to write a title for your episode because that was the topic of this episode. When I do solo episodes, they are on very specific tight topics. So I don't have to struggle as hard to come up with a title because I know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so then a question, and you've pretty much already answered it because you've said, you know, do the episode and then pull out pieces to come up with the title. So I have heard, and I agree, that's how I do it. But I have heard other people, not many though, say, come up with your titles first. And so what I do and what I recommend is you come up with your topic. You may have an idea for the title, but for me, the title comes out after I do the episode because I may come up with a turn of phrase in the episode that ends up being part of the title. And that's not going to come out until I do the episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, you bring up something great, and now we're in that creative sphere. Sphere. It's like when you ask a songwriter, what comes first, the lyrics or the melody? Right. Uh, depends on the song. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I get the, the bass. Sometimes I get the piano chord. Sometimes I have this one turn of phrase that drives the entire song. Yeah. I, I do love the creative principle of reverse engineering. I do Mm -hmm. think there's power in what you just said in terms of having a title Mm -hmm. or a one-liner as you begin and you work from that. That does bring incredible laser beam focus. Mm -hmm. That being said, there are times when creativity is not nice and tidy. It comes out like a a dumpster fire, Mm -hmm. but you know there's something in it and you're just trying to collect the pieces and figure out, okay, what's the through line? Yeah, And that's where we have to not hold so tightly to a system or a process, but approach each one like they're a different baby and and play with it. Yeah, I I tend to think I would like to start with a title first and build off of that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what I would do for most of them, Mm -hmm. but allowing from plenty of wiggle room for the creativity part to come in where I might have to flip that that recipe and play around with it more. Yeah. So I think the answer is both and. Yes That's and true. yes. Yes. So when I start with a topic, I actually do write down like a tentative title, but know it's going to change. So I have an episode about why you should start a podcast. And so what I wrote down originally was why should you start a podcast? And then I switched it to why should I start a podcast? Because that's what people Google. They put I in there. And the final title was, and of course I can always change it. The final title is why should I start a podcast instead of a blog? Because I think that that is more interesting. And I did compare it to blogs in there. And it's not that you can't have both. And blogging is not dead and there's nothing wrong with blogging. I'm just not teaching people how to blog. I'm teaching people how to podcast and why podcasting is so powerful. 
And so. you just added another formula to the mix to ask questions. Questions yes. can be your headline as well. I would add that into the top three or four yes. as we work through the creative brainstorming, make it a question. Questions and and all, also, I would say sometimes people put the name of their interviewed guest in the, I in was the line. Ask that. Yep. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. Unless, At all? At all? Unless you uh, are interviewing Taylor Swift, Paul McCartney, or somebody known around the world, or, exception, there is a, a, a big-time, well-known influencer mm-hmm. in the space where your mm-hmm. listeners are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. So the world as a whole might not know of them, mm-hmm. but your listeners would. That's mm-hmm. when I think it's really valuable to use a name. Otherwise, when people see Brian Forrester, they'll be like, uh, who's that loser? I don't know who that is. So right. uh, that's, you just wasted a bunch of characters on my really long last name that could be used for something maybe more powerful. Again, it's worth a discussion. Right. And I think something to consider. Okay. So I put my guests' names at the end. Okay. So... How to create scroll-stopping titles, episode titles, with Brian Forrester. Yep. And I think if you were going to put their name, that's the place to put it at the end. Right. I don't put it at the beginning. It only gets cut off anyway. Right. Again, if it were Taylor Swift or Radiohead, my favorite, then I would put Radiohead at the beginning. There you go. Radiohead, my fantastic interview, whatever. Yeah. I love it. But I do like putting my guest names on there just at the end. Part of it is because then I pick up some SEO from that. Now, I still would in the description, Mm -hmm. but having it in the title and in the URL of the podcast blog post, I definitely get it some of it that way. You know, it's not massive, but I do get some. And I see in my website analytics. And I I like to do it for the guest as well, because then they're more prone to share it. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting perspective, but I think it's a good happy medium. Mm-hmm. And that's us- utilizing the space that you have in a very mm-hmm. clever way mm-hmm. by getting more benefits out of it. So yeah. I, I like that. That's, but that's really I have smart. seen some people share or make the title only the guest name and not have anything else in it. I haven't listened to a single one of those episodes. That's to me, that's lazy as well. Yeah. If that's all you're doing, I think that's you're missing out on so many opportunities to reach people. Absolutely. Yeah. All of this was fabulous. You have given some great pointers and I just love it. And we'll talk about that. I just revealed, you know, what I'm planning on titling this, but we'll talk about it when we're done here. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll get your input. Uh, so tell us about your books, um, uh, 30 Days of Marketing Mojo, which yeah. people can download from your website. And That's I right. hate marketing. I freaking <laughs> love that title because at my other podcast, Marketing Chat Podcast, uh, part of my intro is Think You Hate Marketing, Think Again. And then you've got the young adult novel, The Jungle Within. Yes. Well, thank you for bringing those up. And here's here's the Marketing Mojo book, the physical copy <gasps> of it. We awesome. keep it very small on purpose because it's little snack size, like the little uh, candy bars they give out at, at a Halloween, the snack size kind. It's kind of our <laughs> snack size book. 
because again, uh, business owners are busy. Their hair is on fire. They don't want to read War and Peace. They want to read something that's really quick and they can get all the goods out of it. So back to what we talked about, reverse engineering. Whenever I start a book, and this can go for any content creation, but book specifically, I always start with a what if statement and I work from there. What if there was a book that showed you easy tips from a very quick glance? And out of that thought, I'll reverse engineer and write a book. Mm. Um, the same and thing. And that one is second. just beautiful. People, oh. so y'all listeners, go to your website is geniejarmarketing.com. Okay. Yep. And you can get it. It's the very top of the page. And it is chock full of excellent tips, one per day Thank for you. 30 days. And of course, you can read it all at once. Right. And they are just great. Just because it's snack size doesn't mean that it's not filling. Well, it is. Yes. Yeah. And, and and you said earlier how a lot of times the, the hate of marketing comes through loud and clear. And that's why we named that second one as well. I hate marketing because that's what our target market often says. Yes. There, there are nerds like me who love marketing. And then there are most people who say, I want to pull my hair out because mm -hmm. it drives me insane. And I get that. I mm -hmm. totally get it. That's why we named it. I hate marketing mm -hmm. because we're trying to empathize with them. So uh, again, and, and the other book that I've done is as a fiction, again, talking about story structure, first, second, third acts, that's called mm -hmm. The Jungle Within. It's a young adult book. It's for uh, young adults and young at heart, really. Mm. It's an action adventure, suspense, thriller, crushworthy storyline. And I started with a what if statement with this as I started creating it. I started thinking, okay, what if a trip to the Amazon resulted in an amazing discovery? And out of that came more. And I had to think, okay, I want to know more about this story myself. And that's how I began to write it. Mm. So it's a, it's a really easy read, lots of humor, but lots of suspense and thrill. If you're looking for a great read, it's on Amazon called The Jungle Within. And I've got another book that will be coming out in the spring, and I'm working on a third book that hopefully will come out next winter as well. Wow. So that's awesome. The creative juices, it just it's exciting. As you know, yes. you're a creator. When you actually start to see something come to life and go out into the wild, it's a lot yep. of fun. That's awesome. Yes. All right. And so tell us a little about what you do at, or what Genie Jar Marketing does and what kind of clients you work with. We work with business owners and we've already described them pretty well. These are men and women who are so busy and they're trying to solve a thousand and one problems every single day that marketing is just another problem. So we come in and say, hey, let us help you. Right now, they might be dealing with cliches and they don't know if they're spending the right amount of money. They might have a thousand bucks going out the door to marketing every month, but they don't know if it's getting any results. So we come in and say, we've got three different options. Number one, we can do what we call a grow your business game plan for you. It's basically an audit. We discover your best story for your brand and we tell you the best places to put that story and who to best reach with it. And we bring that back to them and say, here's your game plan. If you follow this, it will bring success. And you can do it yourself or you can hire people to do it. So mm -hmm. that's the first thing we do. Uh, the second part we do is we can do one-off projects. Mm -hmm. If someone comes to us and says, my website stinks, can you help me? 
Well, yes, we can. And we develop websites with a story-based framework. We can do email campaigns, TV, radio, digital ads. We can do SEO. We can help them with their blog articles. We can help them with anything that you can think of marketing. We can do both traditional and digital marketing projects. That's the second part. And then finally, the third thing that we do, if someone says, oh, that's great, but can can I just stroke a check every month and you can handle it, done for you marketing, then we do that as well. And we say, okay, for a one-time, well, a monthly fee, a one-time monthly fee, we will do whatever you need to be done, have, have done, and we will get that every single month out the door, whether that's two blog articles, whether that's Google ads, whether that's website, whether it's an email campaign, we handle that for them. And for a lot of business owners, that's a great tool because then they can just see the results mm -hmm. and then make tweaks along the way if needed. Yeah. So those are the three areas that we focus on with Genie Jar Marketing. That's awesome. And so people can go to geniejarmarketing.com to find you that's and right. more? Awesome. That's right. And one thing I forgot to mention too, uh, if you go to the uh, the name of the book, thejunglewithin.com, mm -hmm. you'll see our website there. And I'll be happy to, hey, this is no uh, rinky-dink bookmark here. This is this is high-level, world-class stuff. And I'll be happy to mail a bookmark. It's easy to see on the homepage, request a bookmark. I'll get that out to someone. And it's nice. I know I'm a big-time reader, and I never have enough bookmarks. So here's one with nice, fancy graphics, The Jungle Within on top. I'd love to get that mailed out to anybody who might be interested. That's awesome. That's Thank all my you. sales pitch. <laughs> well, it has been wonderful chatting with you. I really appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for all of this awesome information. Thanks for the pleasure of being here. It was a delight. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.